Where do you think there could be some pitfalls that they could face in growing and trying to implement this? So we think that sometimes the reason why our patients are not accepting treatment is because they don't value what we do. But we have to look at ourselves and decide, do we really value what we bring to the table? Like, do we really know how bad we are, how powerful dentistry is? Like, dentistry is dope. And when dentists start coming from that place about shifting mindsets about who we are in medicine and the value that you bring to your patient is going to be the first thing, the key. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Happy Practice Playbook. I'm Mo Jones, and in each episode of the show, you'll hear conversations with dentists, office managers, staff, and specialists who know how to create a happy practice. Today, we're joined by Dr. Hazel Glasper, who has 20 years of experience and a top producer and collector in the dental industry. She also has a model of health function and aesthetics that has helped define her as a physician of oral cavity, and it's also something that she coaches on as well. Welcome to the show, Dr. Glasper. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We are excited <laughs> to have you here as well. You are so incredibly talented and obviously a leader in the industry, and it's really, really awesome to be able to chat with you today. Thank you. Thank you. So when you first say, said your name, I thought you said Mojo. <laughs> you know, that was it. that I was one it. of my names in high school. <laughs> Just combine the first part and last part of my name. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Ain't no That's mistake who they, who they looking for. <laughs> looking for Mojo. That's me. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, man. Good times. Thinking back on high school. <laughs> well, Dr. Gosper, we always like to start our show with um, just a statistic. So our statistic today is 40% of dentists think that cost and income will be the biggest challenge facing their practice. What are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges dentists face in their practice? I think one of the biggest challenges will ultimate, ultimately lead to uh, being fearful of not having enough income is not creating enough value for your patients. So they're uh, accepting of your treatment recommendations. And the other thing would be not diagnosing enough. So you actually have the work, right? And we're, we're not um, diagnosing things that our patients don't have. I'm saying that many of our patients are coming in with many needs and wants that at times we might not um, be diagnosing at the level we should as or could as physicians of the oral cavity. So, and all that will lead to not having the income that, that you want in your practice. So, I, when I think about the dentist or when I think about people talking about the dentist, I think there's a concern that sometimes when they go in and they get diagnosed, that maybe they're being overdiagnosed, that that's not something that's really wrong with me. They're just trying to get more money out of me. So how would someone overcome that if they really are trying to diagnose 
those patients with those issues without coming across as being untrustworthy or trying to scam their patients. Okay, so let's think about that. You go to the nephrologist, you go to the cardiologist. I don't think they're in their heads thinking that if I tell this person they have, you know, uh, uncontrolled hypertension, they have partial occlusion, that they might not believe it. And, (laughs) And so maybe I should phrase it in a certain way that they'll be more receptive. I I go back to, we're not, we talked about this briefly before we came came on. I'm not just a dentist. I am a doctor. I am a physician of the oral cavity. Every day that I treat a patient, I am practicing medicine. So I come from a place of authority and confidence. And if the patient needs the treatment, they need the treatment. And, and, and there is no, to, to me, um, I'm not going to second guess myself about that. There is a definition around oral, oral health that the industry has created. And the definition says that a patient should not have dental decay, missing teeth, poor aesthetics, oral infection, oral cancer, gum disease, anything that limits their ability to speak, chew, smile, and function. So if our patients have any of those things, feel free to diagnose them and come up with a treatment plan. It's, it's funny, as you're explaining all of that includes for that oral care, I feel like it's kind of like a duh moment, but it's like, wow, that is, there's so much that is encompassed that the things that, you know, especially those that are um, physicians of the oral cavity that you guys cover and can treat and diagnose, which I feel is like, well, duh, Mo, like, yes, but it's like, wow, that's incredible. And I, I'm just thinking of my own like dental appointments and wow, there's so many things they're looking at and taking care of. So I'm, I'm good. And I, I just feel also immense gratitude because I don't know about half those things. So hopefully that means I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if you have any of those things, as doctors, we have the ethical responsibility, just like any other doctor, to share that with you. So that goes back to uh, maybe they feel like they shouldn't be diagnosing or maybe the patient does not the patient might think we're over-diagnosing. Either the patient has the issue or they don't. And if they have the issue, you you have the responsibility to share it. So diagnose more and create the value for the patient. And the income will come. So how would you recommend that someone creates the value? How would they even go about doing that? How you create value for a patient, one, is spend time with that patient and figure out why they are there, their dental IQ, because a lot of people have perceptions about dentistry and they do not, some of them, 
value dentistry other than getting a simple filling or teeth extracted or some tooth replacement. Now we're, we've come a long way and people are growing in their understanding of the oral systemic connection and their, um, they're growing in their uh, understanding and value of a dentist and, and the role that they play in their overall health care. But you create value by helping them understand that this goes beyond teeth, that I am here to improve your health. I have the ability to improve your diabetes, to improve your cardiovascular problems, uh, your hematological problems, to diagnose cancer. Um, I have the ability to restore your bite and take away the discomfort with your joints and your muscles. And I have the ability to help you sleep better. Um, I care about you. Uh, and, um, and I'm spending time with you. I'm not running from room to room trying to see a thousand patients. I am focused on you. And, and, and you differentiate yourself when you practice in that way. And people are very receptive to it. So it, and it sounds too, when you're focusing on that value and the care of the patient, that you're kind of closing in your pool of how many people you're seeing, but you're going more in depth with them. And so that, would you say that's also still going to help you um, obtain that income that you're wanting, even though you're not maybe seeing as many patients? Oh my goodness. Uh, so one of the metrics that has differentiated me is I see very low volume. Like I don't have to see a lot of patients to create a great income in my practice and create great treatment outcomes. So absolutely, you it's about dealing with the patient right in front of you. You don't need 50 new patients a month if you're a solo practitioner. As a matter of fact, you can't effectively, I believe, treat 50 new patients a month comprehensively unless you have other doctors in the practice. You, uh, you need time to, to really, patients need to trust you and they will only invest if they trust you. You know, another, another thing, and this is really not trying to plug weave, but talking about creating value. I would call my patients every single night for years after an appointment and check on them. I did that for years. That creates value because how often do you call a patient and check on them? Now, mind you, that was a lot of time. And when Weave was um, created and we, we brought it into the practice, I could text patients and patients were really receptive of that. Hi. Dr. Glasper here, you know, how are you feeling following today's appointment? I would get an immediate response. Thank you so much, Dr. Glasper. I wouldn't have to wait until they got home. It was immediate. 
another thing is I know my patients because I have a very um, small patient base in that way. And I would say, uh, I know your daughter had a tournament today, would text them. How did it go? And they were, oh my goodness, Dr. Glasper, it went well. Thank you so much. Creating value, creating value. So there are numerous ways to create value. I think it's really great that you're, you're creating value outside of just what you do. So instead of, you know, besides just following up about someone's appointment, how they're doing, you're utilizing your resources to create value and following up and being very personal with the patient, which I'm thinking if some, if one of any of my physicians were to text me that I would just be like, Oh my goodness, I would be so touched. I would be surprised. Cause I don't think a lot of physicians are do that. So I, but I would definitely feel valued and be like, wow, this place is great. I'm definitely coming back forever. <laughs> it doesn't matter whatever I need. I'm going to figure out whatever they can do that I need. Cause I'm staying here. <laughs> right. And you'll refer patients as well, uh, because it's a different environment. But I'm, I'm the talk type of doctor, if my patient is sick in the hospital, I go to the hospital and sit with them. I go to my patient's weddings and their funerals and their baby showers and have lunch with them. And um, it's, it's a totally different, but that's me, you know. It's, it's the climate that I've created. That, that's, wow. I'm just thinking of all these, I'm just, my mind is blown. All these things you go to, how involved you are. And I think that's phenomenal. Because I mean, again, that's extra time outside of your workday that you're doing and you're committing to uh, your patients, which I, I would imagine you probably have incredibly high retention, if not 100%, because of the care that you put in. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the other metrics that's important about my practice model. We, we don't lose a lot of patients out the back door. We, we have high uh, reappointments and um, retention. So is there anything else that you do to create that environment that keep, builds that trust and builds or keeps that high retention with your patients? I have a team who's been with me for some time. We have the same uh, philosophies around comprehensive care. We, um, we have the same philosophies around dentistry being a branch of medicine and taking care of our patients. We work as a unit. Um, we have the same desires to get to know our patients and they are well-trained, well-trained. Um, I can be, I have high expectations (laughs) of myself and others. And, um, I've just, I have an incredible team that I've partnered with over the years that helped me create that value. They're very creative in the companies that we tend to work with and the services that we bring into the practice, thinking of creative ways to engage our patients and uh, take care of them. So it's it's a great climate. So that's another way. 
Okay. Have you ever gotten any, I guess, negative feedback from patients or even from your team from how your environment is that you have seen has helped make things better? I guess that was kind of a weirdly worded question. (laughs) Okay. So I remember, so this is funny. So I had a patient years ago say to me, I really don't need to, um, I don't need to really overconnect with my, with, with my medical team. Right. And we hadn't done anything real special with her or anything like that. It was just the follow-ups. It was whatever. And so you have to adapt. You have to read the room. Something, something that, (laughs) um, I was saying to, uh, think saying to my son recently, you got to read the room, right? Uh, You have to know that there are some individuals that just want to come and go and want, want the straight answer. Don't beat around the bush, tell them what it costs, tell them what they need, tell them how long it's going to take. Um, uh, send them a, t- a quick text or tell them, you know, do you want me to text you and follow up? No. So you have to be able to read the room and know the patient who is sitting in front of you. And the only way that you can do that is to, to slow it down and build relationships. And uh, our patients talk to us a lot as dentists like we're psychologists or psychiatrists or something, right? Um, but spending that time realizing what type of patient you're dealing with, right? And 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 act accordingly as a business person. So did so I answer be, that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And I think okay. I um I think what you're saying too is when you are intentional with your patients you're able to read the room and course correct. So if maybe what you're doing generally isn't working for them, you can quickly adjust and meet their needs and be able to move forward, right? Exactly. Perfect. It's all about being intentional. (laughs) Take the time to be intentional. (laughs) That's going to save you time later. (laughs) That's right. It'll pay off. So for our listeners, so we're listening and you've got this great model of how to have a really great practice that's going to bring income and to also create a great environment for your patients and staff. Where do you think there could be some pitfalls that they could face as and growing or, and trying to implement this? Well, mindset. Mindset shifting. So, so we think that sometimes... The reason why our patients are not accepting treatment is because they don't value what we do, but we have to look at ourselves and decide, do we really value what we bring to the table? Like, do do we really know how bad we are, how powerful dentistry is? Like, dentistry is dope. It is dope. (laughs) Trust me, it is, because if it wasn't, I wouldn't be a part of it. Like when when I decided to be a dentist, it wasn't because I wanted to work in people's 
mouths and deal with saliva and all that all day. That is not what I was focused on. As um, uh, a woman who got her education from some uh, around some powerful African-American women at Spelman College in Atlanta, um, I, I learned or came to realize that over time that dentistry is, it's amazing and it has such reach. And when dentists start coming from that place that, you know, girl, I'm giving, I'm, I'm restoring your health. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I am changing your medical outcomes. This treatment that I'm proposing to you is treatment that you need. This is not a want. This is treatment that you need. So shifting mindsets about who we are in medicine and the value that you bring to your patient is going to be the first thing, the key to better leadership and um, uh, better case presentations because you're showing up with confidence and authority, right? That's one thing, continuing education, learning how to run a business is key. A lot of us haven't been taught that. I was taught that very early in my career by some very, very dynamic business men and who were brutal, who were tough as hell. And um, so learning how to run a business, whether you're an associate or a practice owner, so these sort of things will change the game for you. I, I think if our podcast ever gets t-shirts, they should just say dentistry is dope. Like that's all they should say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, dentistry is dope. It is, period, it period. is dope. It is. <laughs> it's funny when it's you were hard, saying, but it's yeah, <laughs> it made me think of uh, a lot of times it's, uh, my, my parents, it would be when you, it's like, Hey, you can walk the walk. Now it's time to talk the talk. You know, when we're talking about, you know, be believing the value that we sell with ourselves, I think not just outside, even outside of, um, being a physician, right. Do we believe in the value of what we're doing? So I, I I'm thinking about myself cause you know, I can be a selfish person, but do I, you know, sitting here being a podcast host, <laughs> Me too. do I, I really be believe <laughs> <laughs> Do I believe in the value that I bring as a podcast host? Yeah, I'm that host. It's your girl. I'm freaking awesome. Even, you know, oh, and that, I, think, oh, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like I thinking mindset because I think we all have doubts and we can get stressed out or be like, oh my gosh, I might be in over my head. But at the end of the day, knowing that the end goal or I truly believe in value, what I'm bringing to whatever it is, is important. And I'm I'm a baddie at it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and going into that. And I, I, I can already see the different mindset versus maybe when I'm like, mm, I'm just like a mediocre podcast host to I'm that girl, I'm that girl. And I'm here. Oh. What up? <laughs> and you got that mojo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're not bringing it, then what? Like, Nobody else can bring that for you. 
And the same thing with your patients. If if you're walking in there and you're hemming and hawing and, you know, I think that maybe if you do this, somehow things will work out. And and they're like, oh, okay, do I, you know, in their head, they're like, do I need the treatment? Don't I need to, like, what's going, like, what's happening? There is no clear recommendation or dialogue. And, and, and with that, that lack of certainty and lack of value leads to practices that are not striving and uh, or thriving. And, and, and so we need to check that. What is your mindset? And do you value what you bring to your patients? Right. I've, it's, got, you've got me thinking about myself personally. I'm not a physician of any sort, but I'm thinking like the value I bring just to my, to my job, my life. And I'm just like, mm, need some self-reflection time. <laughs> um, I'm sure you bring a great deal of value. Yes. I, I try. I try. I do, I do my best each and every day. So, and it is what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is. Um, so if we have someone who's, who has this confidence and they're bringing value, maybe it's outside of their comfort zone of being able to project that confidence all the time, right? So it can feel overwhelming and a lot to the point that they may feel burnout. How would you suggest someone be able to handle that, whether it's avoiding the burnout or being able to overcome that overwhelming of doing all that. Is that better? Right. Uh, right, right. So um, I, I tend to believe that if they are not functioning from that place, they're feeling burnt out anyway. So what do I mean by that? Um, if you're not comfortable presenting treatment plans, if you're not comfortable engaging patients, if you're dealing with a, a high volume, if you're dealing with losing patients on a regular and you might not even know it, they're just disappearing from the practice, it's that, that leads to loss of income. It leads to maybe not being able to meet your expenses. It leads to production and collection inconsistencies. It leads to burnout versus, um, shifting to a, what I consider a more positive stance that dentistry is dope, that you lucky as hell to have me as a dentist because <laughs> I'm going to create value for you um, in your life. I actually have a mindset coach on my team, a business mindset coach, and she is phenomenal. So dentists who are working through, how do I become more confident? How do I deal with burnout? How do I deal with um, these things that are impeding the growth and success of my practice? You got to get a business mindset coach because all of us go through times of 
having to go outside of our comfort zone or being uncomfortable or feeling insecure or all of that. That's, that's part of being human. It sounds like too, that everyone's going to have a different, I guess, bar for where they're at, that it doesn't necessarily have to look like yours for them to be successful. There are still ways that they can grow outside of their comfort zone without having to, I guess, go to Mount Everest to grow. They can kind of scale smaller peaks first before just overwhelming themselves and just going straight to top, if that's not who they are, I guess, right? Right. So you just make, uh, what I love about my practice model it's, it's, it has a range of things that you can implement that will increase, um, get you to the place where you don't have to rely on uh, low reimbursing insurances or have to deal with high volume. Uh, but it's about taking small steps, strategic steps that works within your practice model and within your comfort zone that is going to deliver results, right? It doesn't have to be all or none. I'm not trying to create a bunch of uh, Dr. Glaspers. That's not what I'm trying to create. Because <laughs> uh, people are doing well all by themselves and they bring their own flavor, their own style of communicating and all of that. and and. And that authenticity will always be the thing that will, will uh, promote the success of whatever you're involved in. So I would never want to take that from anyone. So, you know, you, you, you might need to pivot here, pivot there, and, and, and get different results or results that you seek. I feel that like that brings just back kind of what we talked about first is, you know, uh, the value we, we, you bring individually as a physician and standing out. So I think a lot of times, even everyone, we compare ourselves to others when really we should just be looking at where we're at, the value we bring as an individual and elevating on that instead of comparing. Yeah, we can take things from here or there to help us grow. But if we try to just copy somebody else, I don't think ultimately we're never going to be successful because we can't be that person and they can't be us. Right. And where were you when you first realized that? Like, <laughs> like where were you in your life when you realized that maybe I don't want to be Whitney Houston? <laughs> 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 I, you know, I think I, I was working here at Weave. I think there came a moment when I was, uh, we were, I was looking at our team dynamic and uh, we were talking about the strengths that everyone had and the, um, someone had commented on the value I brought to, when I first started Weave, the porting team. And I was just like, I did that all on my own without even, I, because it, it was a new position. I had just changed um, careers too. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't trying to be like anybody else. And look at all this great things that I can do. This is me. This is Mo Jones. Yeah. She's freaking awesome. And yeah. can't nobody be her. <laughs> yeah. Now think about that. I get, yeah, that was my, that was my moment. And I think that for me, that really helped set 
the brand, the brand that I have, especially as a professional, even just working here at Weave, how people know me uh, just as not only as a person, but also my work ethic and the deliverables that I give because of just what I have made myself good at. That's when, when you, when you come into yourself and, and it, and here's my question to you. Uh, another question is it, it's, it's a day by day thing, right? Sometimes you have to keep reminding yourself you, you are good just as you are. You, yeah, this person has, uh, is so creative and, um, can, can use these 12 letter words in every sentence and, and maybe that's not you and you have to remind yourself, but what I bring, they can't bring. So yeah, yeah. it's a nice place to get to in life. It's definitely a daily thing though. I, there are definitely some days, probably weeks that I'm like, I am good at my job. I am good. I bring this value. I do these things, even though maybe it feels like I'm going to implode and oh my gosh, I'm in over my head. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm here for a reason. I do the things that I do because I bring value and because I believe in them. And it's like, yeah, yes. that's right. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's we're, true. Getting, we're getting a nice little peep in the day of a life of Mo. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. So yes. kind of talking about kind of that daily things and reminding us, how, how else have you overcome challenges in your career? very strong work ethic. So along with having a strong mindset, which I contribute to my faith, I contribute to my upbringing, um, I contribute to my position in the family as the only girl and the youngest and feeling very protected and loved. Um, so strong mindset, work ethics, and uh, continued development on who Hazel is and, and realizing, because I'm a perfectionist, <laughs> that there is no such thing as perfection. And giving myself a break and, 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 going outside of my comfort zone when I know it's time, going to that next level. So how, how often do you say that you get those moments where you know it's time to grow and get out of your comfort zone? Daily. <laughs> no. Um, no, well, I don't know, but I'm there now. I'm there now. I'm um, at a place in my career. I know that some decisions need to be made. I'm an empty nester now. And so um, I know it's time that I can do more things than I have been able to do before. Um, how do you know? 
you, you know, have you, have you, you've heard expressions like my biological clock, like people say, I knew it was time to have a child because my biological clock, right? And it's true with stuff like that, or life presents this moment in your life where you know it's time for a change or time for, for growth or need for it. And you just, if you, if you understand your, your inner voice, or if you listen to your inner voice, if you are connected to yourself in that way, you'll know, okay, yeah, it's, it's time. It's time for a new journey. It's time for me to come out of my comfort zone, to put away some fears and apprehension and 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 just go for it you and, and then it, it it becomes louder in your head and in your heart as you were saying all this I started getting nervous because then I as you were speaking I'm like oh yeah I know exactly what she's talking about and in my <laughs> mind for a second I thought I was like is it time for you to change and it just made me a little anxious because I think uh -huh. I like change but also I get really scared of change just because I have as a perfectionist, but I also have a fear of failure. <laughs> and so I'm like, if I change, Ooh. like, what if I fail? <laughs> so that's why I was like getting nervous a little bit as you were speaking. So I'm like, she's speaking mm -hmm. truth, but also I'm scared. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, scared. Isn't it scary? It is. Isn't it scary? <laughs> but it's fun it at is. the end when it works out and you're like, yeah, that change was so for the better. I'm so glad I did it. But man, in the moment, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's scary and fear of failure is real. But if you think about it, the things that you considered failures really turned out to be your greatest lessons, right? Absolutely. <laughs> A lot of lessons <laughs> that, yeah, I would not have learned otherwise if I had not failed. They sucked. But I, I do, yeah, I feel like I'm truly a better person and I was able to learn and move forward and be the greatness that I am today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because of what you considered at that time as a failure. Oh, I've had times that, yeah. So I, I, I gave um, a presentation one time on the subject of shame. And when I created this presentation, the person that I was working with said, I don't know if you really can talk on that in the way that you want to bring it because how you look at failure and things that other people might think is shameful um, or a shame situation, right? Um, like uh, when I first started out in my career, I was um, noticed by one of the top companies in this industry. And I had a meeting with them and it was, it, it, you know, I, I didn't always, I, 
they thought it was a good meeting. I, I walked away thinking, ah, you know, I didn't kind of get what I came here to get. And I, I don't really understand it. And at times I felt like shame. I felt like it, I failed. I felt like all these things when none of that really happened, right? It was, I was new in the industry. People needed to get to know who I was. And, uh, and my message, which can be bold and it could be, you know, it's really clear, but you have to, they had to get to know me. So it felt like failure. It felt like, uh, I gave my power away. I thought these, this company would, this is one of the top companies in the industry. Like if I don't make it through this interview and get what I want, then I failed. And I realize one of the things that we do often is give our power away and, and not recognize the lessons in the situation. I've since worked with that company, know the head people, um, just, you know, we have a great working relationship, but you couldn't have told me anything like that, that at the time, because the lesson felt painful to me because of my expectations of what should have happened in that moment. So what I thought should have happened is they put me on Chicago midwinter stage immediately and um, they were kind of debating, should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? And honestly, you know, as it turned out, it was like, well, let's wait, let's whatever. But Mo, I wasn't ready. For real, for real. I was not ready. So it turned out to not only be a great lesson and it wasn't a shameful situation. It wasn't failure. It was a lesson. And it turned out for my good. So. That, that's just make me think of all the times I feel shameful too. Because I get embarrassed super easily. Like even when someone's just like, hey, just so you know, like totally fine. And it's like just simple feedback that's not a big deal. I immediately feel embarrassed. I think it's because I'm going to. I'm a perfectionist. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst person. I did something wrong. But now as you're reflecting on it too, I think a lot of those times, yeah, they were, those are all good moments for me that I've learned from as well. Even if in the moment I was like, that was a failure. I'm ashamed. Oh my gosh, never again. I'm just going to go hide yes. in a hole and never come out. Yes. What's your sign? I'm a Gemini. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a cancer, so I can be pretty sensitive as well. Not that I'm all into astrology, but, you know, people are always like, what's your sign? So I figure I'd throw that out there. What's your sign? Uh, but cancers can be kind of sensitive. So, yeah. Uh, 
Well, we are almost out of time, but we always love to leave our audience with what I like to call a motivational tip, which is just, you know, I know you've given so much great advice, all right, but if you could just take one page out of your book of success, what would it be? Don't work in silo. Um, let others help. There are things that people know that can shorten your journey to success. There are people to work with that can, um, companies, people that can make all the difference in, in your day-to-day -day operations and your fulfillment as a, a dentist or a team member or hygienist or whatever. So work with individuals that you can feel vulnerable with, you can uh, grow with, that could support your journey, who are like-minded individuals and who care about you. That is great. Asking for help is not weakness to all of our listeners. Asking for help is not weakness, something I'm still learning, but very important. <laughs> well, that is a wrap for today. Dr. Glasper, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks to everyone listening. Don't forget to join the Happy Practice Playbook Facebook group where we'll be discussing this topic more and sharing other helpful resources to help keep you to help you keep your people happy. And as always, I'll be posting to get all of your tips and tricks as well. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on the next episode. We hope you'll join us next time. It's your girl, Mo Jones.